Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hey guys, how are you? It's Renee here. I'm so glad that you've joined me today for another episode of the Girl Next Door podcast. We are embarking today on, can you believe it? It's episode 32, but episode five of our Girl Power Collection. So I'm going to get straight into it. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my week as I go. We had an amazing week. Last Friday, we hosted United We Stand, which was Australia's biggest watch party. And it was amazing. And I'm a bit tired this week because it was pretty full on the last six weeks or however many weeks it took us to put that together. But it was incredible. So thank you to everyone that either was involved in that or that got their youth kids to that or that watched. It was incredible. Anyway, I cannot wait for this episode. This is probably one topic that I am asked about more than any other. So I'm going to spread this over two podcasts this week and next week. And I want to focus today on why women can be in ministry, including on the platform. So I cannot wait to share everything with you. Next week, we're going to go a little bit further into can and should women be senior pastors or have senior roles? So let's get going. Um, Now, we are all going to have different perspectives. And I guess I, like I always say, I want to help you to think about what you think about these subjects. But this is definitely one that so many of you have asked me about, or you've had a lot of people comment to you. And you're like, Renee, what do I say? What do I say when guys tell me I can't be in ministry or women shouldn't be on the platform? So we're going to look at all of that today. So my aim is to present you with some different views, particularly in the next podcast. I'm going to give you a few different views. Um, And so I hope that maybe you can come to a conclusion on where you sit with it. Uh, But this one today, we're going to look at the case for women in ministry. Um, So let me ask you some questions. Like, what do you think about it? A lot of you are going to have different uh, ideas even between, you know, all of us listeners. So let me pose some questions and maybe you've thought about these, maybe you haven't. What do you think about women in ministry? Uh, Do you think that women can preach, teach, prophesy? Do you think women can teach everyone on a platform or do you think that women can only teach in Bible studies or with kids or in women's ministries? And do you think that a woman can be a sole senior pastor of a church? Why do you think these things? What does the Bible say? This is where the conflict comes in, I think, because different people are interpreting scriptures different ways. So I'm going to present my view today. But let me just preface this whole next podcast or two with this. We are most likely going to disagree at some point, and it's perfectly okay to disagree. It's more about like how you disagree that counts. Um, So obviously, you're going to hear my views woven throughout the next few podcasts, and these are my views and my interpretation of scripture. So you need to work out what your views are. So let's get into it. Should women be in ministry, um, including on the platform? We're going to look at the scriptures that people use for and against. And hopefully I'm going to give you some really good arguments today. Uh, So let me 
start by saying I am, as I'm sure you are aware, a huge believer that women can and should be in ministry roles if they are called to do so. Now, of course, that would be my view because if you look at my own life, I'm in a lot of ministry roles. I run the Youth Alive Academy. I'm a lead pastor or a senior pastor alongside Cameron. We run Youth Alive Queensland. We run Youth Alive National. Um, so I'm in a lot of different ministry roles. I'm also a teacher by trade as well, which most of you would probably know by now if you've been listening. Um, so I just wanted to start off by sharing with you a dream that I had when I was about 20. Now, I'm not normally a dreamer. You know, some people get really prophetic dreams all the time. I've literally had about four very specific and clear dreams in my life. So when I do dream really specifically, I know that that's God speaking to me because usually my dreams, they're just crazy randoms. Like they mean nothing. (laughs) I can't even usually remember them when I wake up. So in this dream, I was driving a big white truck, almost like you know, like one of those freezer vans, I guess. It's the only thing I can think of, (laughs) like a big white freezer van. And I'm driving in what to me was a familiar place at the time. And there were a lot of people around me watching to see how little old me was going to drive this big white truck. So I drove the truck to a place where the road was really, really narrow and there was a building on one side, but on the other side, there was a big slope. So, you know, if I couldn't get the van through, I was either going to hit the building or kind of roll down the slope. And everyone was shouting around like, you can't take the truck there. There's no way. And in my dream, I just would look at everyone and I would literally smile at them And then just slowly but cautiously, I would drive ahead where they said I couldn't go. And then when I got through the other side, everyone cheered like, woohoo, good job, Renee. Then I came to another place and everyone said the same thing. You can't take a truck there. There's no way. And I would look and smile and keep driving. Now, in my mind, in my dream, I could hear everyone say, you can't, you can't. And in my head, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, you just watch me. Um, So again, I carefully navigated and I did it and everyone cheered. So that was like literally my dream, but it was so specific. I, I still remember it very clearly. And when I woke up, I was pretty clear on what God was saying, but I also did a bit of research into, you know, what trucks mean, what the color white means, all of that. And a vehicle, especially a white vehicle in a dream, represents ministry. So God spoke to me really clearly that I would go places and do things in ministry that people would think are impossible, particularly because I'm a female and I, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't be doing that. But God had called me and so I'm going to navigate and do things in ministry anyway. You know, and and perhaps my favorite part was that people who thought I couldn't do it when I did, they would be great. Like they would, they cheered me on. So from that dream, I just knew I was like, okay, so I'm called to, I guess, pioneer. I'm called to do things that people haven't done before. I had no idea at the age of 20, what that meant or what that would look like. But based on that, based on the church that I grew up on in Adelaide in my teenage and young adult years, and based on other role models that I looked to, like Joyce Meyer, to me, women were called to ministry. Now, as I've said before, that might not be your experience, okay? It might not be 
the kind of church that you're in might not believe that. But I'm also a huge believer that if that is in your heart, but you are not in an environment that encourages that, you actually don't have to be a pushy girl boss and hustle your way there. Allow the grace of God to take you there. You know, and that's the story of my life. I've never elbowed or edged my way anywhere. I have never pushed doors open. I've never whinged or complained that, you know, oh, I don't get opportunity or they don't believe in me because I'm a girl. You know, I've just never done that. Like, you know, I've already said I grew up in a uniting church where it wasn't the done thing where women were in ministry. I didn't even think about it. I just... In my mind, I was just like, God's got my life. God's got my future. God's got a plan for me. And he's bigger than any person. He's going to make that come to pass. So every step of the way, I have allowed the call and the grace of God to lead me and open doors. And I do think a huge element of this, girls, is that you have to be called to it. And believe me, if you are not called to ministry, it is not a job that you want to do because it's not easy. It's not easy to navigate. Um, and, and that's with any job. You know, teaching is a difficult job that I think you've really got to feel a calling for. Um, but please let this be your, your, your biggest takeaway, call and grace, because I don't want to raise a bunch of girls through this podcast who, who push their way anywhere, because I believe the grace of God and the anointing of God is actually on a new generation of women. And as we learn and lean into him, he's going to raise us up and we don't have to struggle to do that ourselves. So I'm going to give you a few arguments that you can use when it comes to women in ministry. So I've had quite a few girls. Uh, I've had more girls. I, I never, ever, ever, when I was growing up in my teenage and young adult years, I never had anyone tell me, particularly guys, that, that girls can't be in ministry. But there seems to be a lot of teaching now that's coming to the forefront, particularly in young adults, uh, where guys are telling girls that they can't be in ministry. And I've had quite a few girls tell me recently, but Renee, I feel called or you know, or I am already in leadership or I'm a youth pastor and I'm having these guys tell me that no girls can't, you know, be on platform and they can't be in ministry. Like help, what do I say to them? Um, And so here are some, here are a few things that I want you to tuck away and file away into your heart. My first response is this. Do you really think that God would knock back the opportunity for someone to be saved because the person telling the good news is a woman? Like, what? Seriously? This really annoys me. If I, I had a girl saying to me just the other day, girls can't, you know, be on platform. And I'm like, you need to go back and tell that guy. So God would rather someone not hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus because it's a woman that's delivering it. So he'd rather that person not get saved. That's just utterly ridiculous to me. We all know the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so that tells us all, all of us are to go and make disciples. And it specifically says, make disciples, baptize and teach. The responsibility is on all of us to do that. It doesn't specify only a man can do this and not a woman. So last week, as I said, we just had 
the largest Christian outreach in Australia. Go check it out. It's still up on YouTube. Um, it's on the Youth Alive Queensland platform and also on Facebook. And um, from what we can tell, we've had about um, 30,000 young people, as far as we can tell, that have um, that have watched it, that saw the, the gospel presentation. Because um, even though the views, there were individual views, for example, our youth group was one view, but there were 100 kids in the cinema. So a lot of kids were in big groups watching this. So uh, Nathan Finocchio gave the salvation message and hundreds and if not thousands of young people were saved. That's going to be really hard to measure on this one. Do you know who was behind putting that whole thing together from the script to the creative direction to the production, all the ideas, the whole running of the night? Two women. It was Renee Simmons and myself were the main drivers of that whole thing. And of course, with an incredible, incredible team. But Cameron actually sat back on this one. Cameron's the visionary, but Cameron had nothing to do with the detail of anything. It was Renee and myself. Do you really think that God would go, oh, hang on, hang on, we can't have those kids saved or exposed to the gospel because two women are behind the spreading of it on Friday night? No, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> Ridiculous. I I just can't fathom that. Uh, last year, I went to Victoria and I preached at a youth outreach for One Youth, which is the youth group of um, of Dave and Aylan Edgar, who are the um, the Victoria Youth Alive directors. Shout out all my One Youth listeners. And, you know, about a dozen kids got saved at that. Now, do you think again that God would go, wait, stop, a woman just preached the gospel? Wrong. Those kids can't get saved. Of course, Jesus wants the gospel presented. Um, one of my favorite points, here's another argument. Here's a scripture that you can use. It's found in Luke 24, 1 to 3. And it says this, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb. This is just after the death of Jesus, by the way, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, and they didn't know what to make of this. Now, next few scriptures, the angel appears and talks to them. Then in verse 9, it says, When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. So what did they do? They reported. What did they report? They reported the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news that Jesus died and was resurrected again. The first people to ever preach. Now, preach means to publicly proclaim, which is what these women did. They reported. The first people to ever preach or proclaim the good news were women. Women were the first people in history to ever spread the good news, to preach. Women were the first preachers of the gospel. Like I could almost end the podcast there and go, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not comfortable building a whole theology around one scripture. And we need to look at the whole of the Bible and what it teaches. We need a, a whole scripture perspective. And this is probably what disturbs me about when people, and we'll get into this afterwards, when they they tend to pull out one scripture and go, well, you know, women were told to be quiet in church, so women can't can't be in ministry and they can't they can't speak in church. And they and they build this whole theology around one scripture. We can't do that. 
So we have to look at the scripture as a whole. You know, look at all the other women in the Bible and model ourselves off of them. I spoke last week about Miriam, who was a worship leader, Phoebe, who was a deacon, you know, Mary, of course, who was an anointed mother, Chloe, who was a house pastor. You can go check that out in 1 Corinthians 1.11. Philip had four daughters who prophesied. Acts 21 verse 9 says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. We talked last week about Priscilla and her husband, teaching pastors, Esther, who was a queen, Deborah, who was a judge and a prophet. So let's go on and look at some of the scriptures that people use to say women can't be in leadership. And again, they are basing a whole theology of what is, you know, just one verse. And you can't take one verse. You've got to look at all of what Paul says. So if we look at the classic one, which is 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15. So I'll read it to you and then we'll unpack it. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was first formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Okay, so let's just look at that. Now, you've got to understand the cultural context of the time. And I've done a whole sermon on this, okay? So here we're talking about a place called Ephesus, And the city of Ephesus was very secular, Um, quite, um, it was was a place where a lot of people would come, a lot of trade would come, and people would come through the city, and it was a very popular place. And in Ephesus, they worshipped a female, they worshipped a goddess called Artemis or Diana. Okay, so there was a public holiday given in her honour. She very much dominated the city. So this city, if you go into the historical context, because again, you know, look at scripture, look at look at the historical context, it was a very female-dominated society. So what you've got here, the pendulum has swung so far over one side. And this this is what happens in politics. You know, we talk about the left and the right of politics. It's like society will always move to one end of the pendulum and it will get worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's doing that at the moment. It's moving further and further to the left. But what happens is eventually it'll swing back the other way again. That that tends to be what happens in society. So, so the pendulum's gone really far over where it's very female dominated. It's all about women. And so Paul is kind of overcorrecting. Okay, so Timothy, who was um, he, who who he's talking to, he was pastoring these people, and so Paul is giving advice to Timothy on how to conduct yourself. He's like, how to hear, I'm giving you some advice on the kind of culture. Don't let the culture of of Ephesus creep into the culture of the church. I think that's a fantastic message for us today. And this is what I've been talking about with feminism. Oh, actually, I didn't even think about that. There you go. Boom. (laughs) Feminism is creeping into the culture of the church. The feminism culture of the world is creeping into the church. And that's what was happening in the day, that this, this female-dominated society, that was creeping in. And so Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, you need to bring some order in. The women are not to domineer the men. In this city, the women are dominating um, the men, and this is not to happen in the church. Um, we need to bring order, not chaos. And 
you know, God, I've said this before, God is a God of order. He wants order in his church. And you can see that all through the New Testament. And this is an example. Okay. So that's what I would say to, to that scripture. I would, I would remind people when they use that scripture, you can't just take one thing that Paul says and build a theology around it because Paul says a lot of other things. Okay. So let's go on to the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 14 verses 33 to 35. So verse 33 backs up what I just said about God being a God of order. It says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Then verse 34 to 35 says, Women should remain silent in the churches. This is another classic scripture people use. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Okay, so again, here we go. Paul's saying, firstly, all all the churches should have order because that's how God wants it. Now, remember, this is a letter to the Corinthians. This is a letter to the Corinths, and it's all about order. The whole letter is about order. So what was happening back then is the women sat with the women and the men sat with the men. And then during the teaching, the women would chatter amongst themselves. A lot of young people do this in church. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say young people. A lot of people talk in church. Okay, so they were chattering and they were asking questions. Now, there's two possible reasons they could be chattering. They're either bored and they're actually just talking to each other or um, or they were perhaps uneducated in what was being said and were calling out and they didn't understand. And they were they were interrupting. They were calling out in the middle of church. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we don't let people call out in the middle of church. If someone called out in the middle of church, one of our pastoral staff would go over to them and would talk to them, probably take them out. So Paul is saying, I don't want them to chatter. I don't want to have chaos in the church. There's already enough chaos in society And so we want to have order in the church. Now, if you look culturally, the women don't sit separately in church anymore. So so if people want to really take this scripture exactly for what it is, then I hope that those people that believe women can't be in ministry, they better make sure that their women and their men sit separately too, because that's what was happening in the culture of the day. Historically, the men and the women sat separately. Now, the men and women sit together, and it's not a part of our church culture to interrupt in the middle of church. So again, Paul is bringing order to chaos. We don't have chaos now. We don't have to, um, you know, we don't have people interrupting. So again, you know, you can't just take one scripture. You've got to look at all of what Paul says. Um, So what about another scripture? Apart from all the female examples and the scriptures that I gave you earlier about all the women that have had different roles in ministry, and of course, the spreading of the gospel, who was first done, which was first done by women. I want to give you a scripture now for women in ministry and why women can preach and teach and prophesy and pastor and lead. So let's have a look at one Corinthians chapter eleven, verses four to seven. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It's the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. And it just goes on to talk about hair and cutting hair and shaving hair. Um, Now, let's just look at this scripture for a second. 
don't get caught up with all the cultural stuff. So there's a lot of stuff here, a lot of talk about head coverings and what's appropriate for men and what's appropriate for women, because it talks about both, about what a man should do with his head and what a woman should do with her head. So this scripture is talking about dress regulations for, for men and women, and their dress regulations were considered really important for religious moments. Um, and it's no different to us, right? Like for our religious moments, such as church going, we have dress regulations. Now, some of them might be different to what they were years ago. I remember when we first moved to Queensland, it was so funny. In Adelaide, where we're more conservative, we would dress up in the mornings for church. Like we had our Sunday church clothes and Cameron and all the guys would all wear suits. And when we moved to Queensland, we kind of still did that. And I was surprised at how casual everyone was here because we dressed up and Cameron always wore a suit. And Pastor Wayne Alcorn was so funny. He would always laugh and go, there are only two people in this church who wear suits, um, Cameron Bennett and my father, Alex. Um, but it was quite funny. But, you know, we have dress regulations. And so Paul here is talking about how, you know, it's a cultural moment and both men and women are asked to be conscious of their appearance because they don't want to draw attention to themselves in this moment. So it's no different to, to us saying, hey, please be conscious of what you wear, particularly if you're on the sta- stage. But more importantly, don't get caught up in, in the cultural stuff. Did you notice that it says every man who prays or prophesies? But in the next verse, it says, oh, what's this? Every woman who prays or prophesies. And then it goes on to talk about how they both should be dressed. Ah, every woman who prays and prophesies. So men and women are praying and prophesying in public in the Corinthian church. You know, and preaching is prophesying, prophesying, etc. Preaching, teaching. So you can see here very clearly that men and women both had preaching roles in the church. So hopefully you can see that you can't just take one scripture out of context um, and build a whole case around that. Okay. You, you know, you can't just look at one thing that Paul says, you've got to look at all of what Paul says an overall view. So if you just look at Timothy, you might think, oh yeah, women have to be quiet. Well, no, you've got to take all of what Paul says, because he also talks about women prophesying um, in church and praying in church. So he talks about other women in ministry. You know, he talks about Phoebe and Priscilla and Chloe, and, and here casually talking about women prophesying. And it's completely normal because it was completely normal. Okay, it was completely normal for women to have ministry roles in the New Testament. Okay, this is another thing I hear. Well, women can teach other women or kids or Bible studies. Yeah, sure, they can teach, just not on the platform. Okay, uh, what? I've just shown you through various scriptures that women can preach, teach, prophesy, lead, and none of these scriptures prophesy where. They don't say, oh, they can do these things, just not on a platform. They were doing them publicly. Where else would these women have done these things if not in the church, in public places? It doesn't say they only prophesied to other women. It doesn't say they only prayed or taught children. Okay, they they prayed and prophesied in front of everyone. And I'll tell you where this idea comes from that women can't be on a platform The reason people say women can't be on the platform is because they believe that women can't have authority over a man. 
Therefore, a woman cannot teach on a church platform because that's exercising authority over a man. Now, I want to talk more about this in the next podcast because I actually do believe in male covering and male headship and authority, but I can't see how my getting up and teaching the scriptures on a platform is exercising authority over a man. To me, that's not exercising authority. I'm just teaching and you know, um, giving application to the word of God. So I completely disagree with this idea that we can't be on the platform because I'm not assuming an authoritative role. Just like I wasn't assuming an authoritative role when, when Renee Simmons and myself put together all the United We Stand content, we're not assuming authority. You know, Cameron um, is the visionary and we're outworking a vision. So what does this all mean for us girls in a practical sense? Um, what do you do if you're in a church that holds different views? And I have talked about this before, but if you're in a church, you should obviously submit to the authority um, of of that leadership, which I've talked to in a previous podcast. However, you can absolutely respectfully have a conversation with your leadership team, but they're under no obligation to change their minds because of your views. Uh, they're under an obligation to change how they do things just because you disagree. And I know you would understand that. Can you imagine if Cameron and I had to lead our church based on the views of every single person in the church? Well, we would go mad because there would be a hundred different views, probably more sitting within our church. So you can have a respectful conversation, but you can't expect the leadership to abandon their views and the way that they do things. So in that case, you need to work out, can I submit to this? Um, You know, can I submit to the lead pastor's, you know, doctrine and leadership style? Um, Or can I not submit to this? Is this something that's, you know, a deal breaker for me? And if you choose to submit to it, then you need to do so respectfully, not, you know, whinging the whole way, but okay, God's got this. But if you feel that you can't, then I would just quietly and respectfully go elsewhere. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, And I've said it before, what else does this mean for us? Going into ministry is not something that you're going to find on jobseeker.com. And this is where it's really difficult because I know that, you know, I see girls that feel called to ministry and they really want to be in ministry. And so they go to Bible college and invest years and years in studying theology because that's where they believe God wants them. And I take my hat off to those girls because they're being obedient and skilling themselves up the best that they can. But at the end of the day, it's not like teaching. Like if you go and you study teaching or you go and study, you know, psychology, you're going to come out and go to Job Seeker and look for a job in teaching or apply for a job as a psychologist. But with ministry, That's not kind of how it works. And so it's a huge step of obedience to invest money and time um, and all of your, you know, your life into studying for something that you've got no guarantee at the other end. But this is the beautiful thing about God, about ministry, is you've just got to, um, you know, when you're obedient like that and you step out in faith, God will always meet you. And those things will never be put to waste. Now, you might not be able to go out and, and apply for a job like you could with other jobs, but you know what? You have, God has seen your obedience. He has seen your sacrifice. And again, you've just got to trust the process and trust the leading of God in your life. 
Um, I love my probably one of my favorite scriptures. And one thing that I've lived by is that when Mary found out that she was going to be the mother to the savior of the world, she actually kept it in her heart and didn't tell anyone. Luke 2.19 says, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And so that's something that I've lived my life by, that if you've got ministry in your heart, girls, you know, you don't have to worry about, I, I just didn't tell people what was in my heart. I just was trusted God with it. Um, I did not tell people on purpose. I think I just thought, you know what, God sees me, God sees this. And I went about going for a teaching degree. And so I became a teacher and I just knew that God would guide and direct my path and that if teaching was a part of it, then I was okay with that too, because I love teaching. And when I look at how amazing my life has worked out, here I am, my teaching degree has come way more in handy when it comes to running Youth Alive Academy, I think even than what a ministry degree would have, and I don't have a ministry degree. Um, but my teaching degree is something that's been absolutely invaluable in my 20 years of teaching experience. So God knows your pathway. And if you're stepping out in obedience, God will guide and lead and, and reward that. So I've never shouted from the rooftops what I felt called to do. Um, I've allowed people to speak into my life and over my life. I've prayed about it. I've asked for God to open and close doors according to his purpose um, I remember lecturing in a Bible college once back in Adelaide. I was asked to lecture on the Psalms and I loved it. And I remember I just felt this whisper ever so quietly. I remember this, literally it was like this fleeting thought through my brain. Um, you're going to run a college one day. You're going to run a Bible college one day. And I remember the thought really took me by surprise. I'm like, that thought was not from my brain. I'm sure that that was from God. And again, I never told anyone. I don't even think I told Cameron. I just tucked it away and thought, okay, God, well, if that's you, then you'll bring that to pass. So um, speak less, think more, and trust always. That would be my three bits of advice. Speak less, think more, uh, like Mary did, pondered in her heart, and trust always. Work hard, skill up, let God open the doors. So there you go. That is my case for women in ministry. Um, let me know what you girls think. And like I said, there's so much more to say. So next week in particular, I want to look at can a woman hold a senior role such as a lead pastor or a senior pastor. So that is going to be fun. Anyway, I hope you have the most wonderful, wonderful week. And I really look forward to being back with you again soon. So have a good one. I love you all. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.